0: Welcome to Own It from Women Lead Change. I'm Tiffany O'Donnell, the CEO of Women Lead Change. On today's episode, we talk with Kendra Hall, a professional storyteller who teaches leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs across countless industries to harness and leverage the power of their stories. Her book, Stories That Stick, debuted at number two on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, and Forbes said it, quote, may be the best, most valuable business book you read. In 2020, she became the chief storytelling officer of Success Magazine, where she interviews icons like Deepak Chopra and Misty Copeland in an effort to hear and share their stories of success.
1: Hey, Tiffany! So good to see you. So it feels so long, long. Like I just want to
2: hug you. It's, too long. it's not too long. I know. Are you out and about? Are you Are you traveling again?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was thinking about it this morning. My first. You know, post pandemic flight was last July. Like I've been I was one of the early adopters to travel. Um, I had a few stealth events that I did. But you know what? I I gotta say, like there's I have a few live events in July, a couple in August, and then September. It's like nothing ever happened. I'm gonna be all zigzagging all over the country again. I can't wait. And I'm a little like I'm kinda out of shape. Like the time zone thing messes with me, the high heels are a little bit awkward. So, but I'm excited, I'm excited.
2: You know, I feel like we're all that way. It's a little bit like I'm glad you sort of made that exercise analogy because I even feel like going back to the into the office for a lot of us, we have to sort of work up to that, getting getting ready, you know, getting up 30 minutes earlier to make yeah. sure we can put something on other than our leggings, you know? I mean, they're getting conditioned to drive in the car and getting conditioned to be away from home all day. I think we do have to sort of work up to it.
1: Yeah. And I think too, so, so I had just a heck of a day yesterday. It was one of those, it was like a 2019 day. And, and then at the end of it, I had to go volunteer at my kids' school because my son's a fourth grader and the fourth grade parents do the graduation party for the fifth graders. So it, cause that'll be my son next year. And I was walking over to the school and it's like two blocks. So it's not even a big deal. <laughs> I was thinking, why am I so tired? Like, why do I just want to go to bed? How is it that I'm going out right now? And and that was when I, I actually had the thought as I was walking in. And I think it's important that we should all give ourselves grace because there is like these like weird emotions and, and weird like soreness, you know, when you work out a different muscle and you're like, oh, ow. They're going to pop up, and and I kind of feel like, in some ways, subconsciously, we're expected or expecting ourselves to just go right back into it. And so, give yourself grace when those those moments of like, oh gosh, it's it's five p.m. I was expecting to be winding down, not gearing back
2: up again. Uh, it's it's going to take. I love that yeah. And that soreness. What again? What a great what a great analogy. I think yeah. that's and it's absolutely spot on. Uh, tell us about your big announcement, my friend. Well. I'm really excited about
1: this. Like in a deep uh, fiber of my, like almost um, a little bit nervous, the Mm. excitement that I feel. Uh, I announced this week that my, the pre-order for my brand new book. Um, Now the book, as you know, sometimes these, sometimes these things are long tail. Like you got to start, you got to start working on it months in advance. So the book doesn't come out until January. But yeah, my new book is available for pre-order and I just can't wait for people to like share the message. I'm really excited about that.
2: Well, and I feel like we are a part of that. Those of, you know, a lot of the listeners who've been able to attend Women Lead Change events have seen you in person and we started following you and your journey to the big city and apartment Mm -hmm. to another apartment and um, the, the, the redo of the... Montauk house, well, yeah, like, house. You know, way yeah. too much, way too much about you. But the book was such a part of that. And you were so honest and vulnerable when you were writing it. And I I could just feel, you know, there were days you were all in and there were days you're like, I haven't written a sentence. Yeah. And you are just completely honest about that.
1: I don't, I think that social media for me is a place to be my unmanicured self in a way. Now make no mistake. I don't, just throw random stuff up there. Like everything, anybody, anybody puts on social media, they made the choice to hit post, right? So it's never, it's not like there's a hidden camera following me around. Um, But I did, it was such a good, it was actually great for me to be able to express the process because writing is a very, there's a lot of solitude in creating a book because you, you are just alone with your own, thoughts and then your own computer and that's really all you got and so to be able to share you know the good and even more so for me it was really therapeutic to share the bad was that
2: was an important part of the process yeah well we we felt it and I if you could just give us a little glimpse into the book of course uh, what, we, have, what we can expect we made
1: oh. a mock-up I made we made a mock-up cover so this is one of the because the book isn't out yet so here's a funny story so the book isn't out yet but we have to start you know talking about the book and sharing it so you need photos for the book and so we did this for stories that stick my first book as soon as we got a cover michael my husband printed like the cover of the book just from the the mock-up file and then we had to wrap the cover around someone else's book because i didn't have a book but this time we made the mock-up cover and we wrapped it around My book, so it's kind of (laughs) cool. So here, so it's stories. It's (laughs) thick. It's the actual book. But this is this is the new. This is the new book. Choose your story. Change your life. Silence your inner critic oh. and you write your life from the inside out. And it's so, it, I don't know. Every time I open it now, and I'm like, oh, it's it's
2: oh. my book in there. It's kind of fun. Um, I'm willing to bet there may be one or two authors out there who have done that already with stories that take the stick. Others yeah, who decided to get in. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a it's a it's a great topic. Um, what yeah. what prompt what prompted you to write it?
1: So interesting, I I wrote stories that stick and then I was so I was so grateful and it was it was it was a really cool thing to have the publisher be interested in like start talking about the next book. And so we started thinking about the next book. I started thinking about it and initially, Tiffany, I thought it was going to be about stories in leadership. Like like stories that stick like the leadership version, like going deeper in purpose stories um which at some point, I will write that book. But as I was listening to the feedback from audiences, whether it was live and in-person audiences or audiences, the people who read stories that stick, I was getting this sense that not only were they interested in the like actionable takeaways of how to use stories in business, but there was almost like this pull to a higher level, like how do stories work in my life? And I myself have always seen my life as a story. And so, um, and I think it's just because I grew up in storytelling. It was obviously like a very big part of my life. So whenever something bad would happen or challenging would happen, I'm not saying that I wasn't bummed or mad or, you know, stomping my feet, but I did always have this sense of, well, this will be an interesting story. Like I know I'm in the middle of this story. So what will happen? I can't wait to see what the end of this story will be, and and really paying attention to the stories I told myself. And I think that is such an important, I mean, we can tell all the stories outwardly we want to about for to, for our business or for any messaging or influencing or anything we want to do. But I think, especially as women, we know that the most powerful stories and perhaps I would venture to say the most limiting are the ones that happen right in here. The ones that, nobody hears we don't actually say them out loud and and oftentimes we don't even realize that they're happening these these stories we tell ourselves are from ages ago they can be from just moments in our life and they are on autopilot they're they're on repeat in the back of our minds and keep us from that next level, or they keep us playing small or staying quiet or thinking we can't or, or or doubting ourselves. And, you know, you see someone, this is that like comparison, when you see someone else doing something, why do we have that, that feeling of like, oh, can't, well, it's it's the stories that are telling us that we can't have what they have, or that we should have what they have instead of what, what we have. And so anyway, the whole book is about these stories that we tell ourselves and how When you choose those stories when you take control of what stories you have on repeat everything can change and so in the book tiffany i go it's broken down into three parts much like stories that stick was the first part is talking about these internal stories why they're there why they why they weren't bad at first right they were how we kept ourselves safe from being eaten by lions and, and and berries but now in modern times, it's, it's the biology has shifted. So the first part is more about the science of self storytelling. The second part is a very specific method then. So how do we stop the automation? How do we see it for what it is? How do we choose better stories? And then how do we systematically, like intentionally replace them? Like, Install the good ones so that those are in the forefront. And then the last part of the book, you know, you can break life up in many different ways. But I kind of broke life into five categories. So the stories you tell yourself when it comes to your business and your career, the stories you tell yourself when it comes to your health and your well-being. I mean, think about the stories you tell ourselves about that. Um, the story oh you tell yourself, I know it's crazy about your money and your finances uh, parenting and family and then, um, love and relationships. So those five categories and, um, how, how are those wow. play out in each of them? I know I'm like sweating oh. right now.
2: No, but it is so powerful. You're absolutely right. And it's just, you know, but how do you reframe? I mean, can you give us a glimpse yeah. at some of the, some of the tactical, how do yeah, we flip yeah. the script?
1: So yeah, that's exact. That's exactly it. So, so our stories, um, We don't notice them in in their full form, but we can see them pop above the surface of our subconscious as limiting beliefs or or just short statements about things that we can or cannot do or things that we always do or things that we never do right so to first keep an eye out for some of those limiting beliefs like i'll never be a successful entrepreneur let's just say that or i'll yeah i'll never be a successful i can't be an entrepreneur what ha- what typically happens is we're told to create vision boards, or to make like affirmation statements or development, which all of those are great. But in many ways, it would be like if the Titanic, you know, the guys on the Titanic, like saw this little tip of an iceberg peeking out above the surface and lit a match and threw it at it and was like, (laughs) problem solved, right? What we don't realize is right beneath the surface of that limiting belief is a lifetime of, of, stories that have that have added up that make us believe this about ourselves. So, you know, if you think about the the things that are required of an entrepreneur, maybe it's time management. Maybe you have to you've been told, you know, you have to be really good with your time in order to be an entrepreneur and Your mom would always be say, oh, you know, whenever we're ready to walk out the door, you can never find your shoes or socks or blah, 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 blah. That story stays with you, becomes part of your iceberg. Or maybe it requires being super outgoing and you've always been kind of, you know, you were were told that you were shy when you were in first grade and everybody was raising their hands and you never did. And you got that comment on your report card. That story stays with you. Right. So we have all of these. That's really the first step is is to see what some of those limiting beliefs are. And then the second step is to be like, all right, what are the stories that are propping that thing up? And and I did take a group of people through this process as kind of like a I mean, it was just a small sample size, but as a as research for this book like could we move them from point a to point b in the way they saw themselves in the way that they felt hopeful or felt more of a hope for success or a fear of failure if they felt satisfied with their life or dissatisfied with their life and it was crazy some of the things that they i mean think about the things that any of us remember i mean i bet you can remember your elementary school bully. And there's still something about what that bully said that sometimes creeps up. We can remember these minuscule moments that really have no bearing on who we are today. And yet that doesn't matter to our subconscious. It just plays these, it just wants to keep us safe. So it just plays these stories. So analyzing what's there and then going back and choosing better stories. So if you have beliefs that you are, you know, like maybe one of your beliefs is, oh, I'm I'm too shy or I'm not very social or I'm not good in social settings. Well, then think back to I mean, my guess is there are in certain areas of your life where you're not shy. Right. Like one of the women I think was like, oh, I've just always been kind of quiet. And she raced dirt bikes like that is the opposite of quiet. That is the loudest you know so so what are the stories you can choose to tell yourself in those moments and then lastly to install them all right so when are your weak spots like if if health and well-being is one of yours and you're just trying to get to the gym like is it in the morning when your alarm goes off well then have some of those good stories when your alarm goes off that you are ready to tell yourself those good stories of how good you felt at a time where you were working out consistently it's amazing how that will those stories, just two of them, two little ones, two or three little ones will pull you out of bed and get you to the gym in that
2: action of moving forward. When I had success with a exercise program, it was when I started looking at it as something I was doing for myself. But when I when I had success, it was I really was looking at it in a very different way. Exactly,
1: exactly, and that is it's a new way of seeing yourself. But what's funny is it's still yourself like this isn't creating i am statements of like i earn a million dollars i am a supermodel i am like you're you're pulling on real material from your life pulling it forward so that that is in the forefront that's what's on the projector screen and when you start to see yourself like that i mean then you you can do anything
0: Overwhelmed by Data, the
1: Master of Business Analytics program at Iowa State University can help with that. Their program will teach you how to organize your data and use it to drive decisions, taking you from down and out to the data-driven top dog. The program is 100% online, it's customizable, plus there's no entrance exam. If you're ready to make your data work for you, visit ivybusiness.iastate.edu
2: for more information. Did you get into this business.
1: Well, I mean, into storytelling in in general. I like I said, I think that um, that was really where I've I've seen the world in stories since I was very young. So I told my first story when I was eleven. It was an assignment for fifth grade. We had to read a children's book to a third grade classroom, and I remember walking in and the classroom was out of control. The girl who went before me read the book. I'll like you forever. I'll love you for always. As long as I'm living my baby, you'll be, which is a really sweet book. You probably right? you know that book, but it was a fifth grader reading it to third graders. It did not go over well. They were so bored and like they were just, it was pure chaos. And, and I had to go next. And I was like, well, this is not going to turn out well. (laughs) So I had to pull out like a trick out of my bag. And I decided just to put the book down and tell the story. And it was like, I was two sentences in and I just owned those third graders. They were right there in the palm of my hand. And and that was the first moment that I really realized that the power of story has, you know, throughout the course of my, I didn't drop out, but throughout the course of my career then, everything I did, it was weird. It was like stories followed me or the importance of stories were, were leading me. These people, mentors, would pop up along my path. If I would get too far off of it, it was almost like a pinball machine and they would like they would whap me back into place. And you know, there came a moment where after graduate school thesis was on storytelling in, in business. But The problem was I also, as much as I loved storytelling, I also wanted to make money. Uh, I feel like it's okay to say that. Like I saw myself, yes, at, right. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to make money. I wanted to be a success. I wanted to wear pencil skirts. I wanted to wear high heels.
2: I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to drive a sports car. Like I and you look great in a pencil. I can tell you, you look great. I've seen it. You look great in a pencil geez, skirt and I'm heels. Yeah, right,
1: in right now at the time. <laughs> Storytelling and pencil skirts, like the only way, the only place that I saw storytelling as a profession was reading, doing story time at the library or doing in services at elementary schools, which is fine, but you can't wear a pencil skirt. To an elementary school. Like it just was well, I mean, you could, right? That's the story I tell my, but you know, you think about sitting in the chair and how you cross your legs. I just the high heels would be too much. I wouldn't want to puncture someone's little grubby <laughs> hand on the floor. And so I really thought that those two things were were just incongruous, that it just wasn't gonna happen. And so I went into marketing, I went into sales, and it's like again, it like haunted me again. <laughs> I was thinking. why don't these people realize that what they actually need to be doing is telling stories. I don't get it. Like, how can they not do this? And then I was volunteering in my community for nonprofit. And I'm like, why are they just like spitting out percentages at people? And not like, why don't they understand (laughs) that what they need here are our stories. And so in a way it kind of became a party trick and tell like, Oh, look at me raise more money for your charity because I'm going to tell the stories. Until then I started to realize like, this is something I can teach other people how to do.
2: For sure. And I think, I think for our listeners too, if you think about the CEOs and the leaders that you admire and that stand out to you, they're good storytellers. Yes. They just are. I mean, it's a component of that for sure.
1: I mean, think about that. The people you follow on Instagram, the, you know, the, the athletes you care about, they're the ones who have shared even, you know, the musicians, they're the ones who have Shared their stories. And Tiffany, you said like early on, you're like, oh, I just know so much about your life. And again, everybody gets to choose their own lines of how much people know about their life. But stories are such an incredible opportunity for leaders to invite people in to who they are as a person. Instead of trying to tell people who you are as a person, tell your stories. And in that way, they will see who you are as a person. The greatest leaders you follow are the ones who generously, humbly share their stories.
2: And I think those are key words, generously and humbly, because we all know people who just talk about themselves all day. It's very different. Uh, different. Yes, it's very different. Yes. Okay. So I want to talk about 2020. And what's what's the story you're telling yourself post-2020? Oh, you know, I don't even think I am
1: all the way. I feel like I'm kind of at the beginning of the the middle. I'm or I'm like at the end of the middle of 2020 where I'm still and again this is that space for for grace because I think there is this uh we we have this urgency to be able to tell the story. I want to be able to tell the story. We we see this in the news cycle where it's like just tell the story and then later we'll figure out whether it's right. We will, we'll, we'll, figure out what to do with the story after we tell it. And so I'm very much right now on a personal level, just allowing myself to still be living the story to see what happens next. But a few of the things, the pieces that I've gathered is that, you know, I personally, and I would imagine many of us, I needed a recalibration and I'd been talking about a recalibration for a long time. And of course, this is the, there, there was, of course, so much sadness and devastation. And, you know, I would never wish a pandemic on any future generations, of course. Um, I do think, though, that I needed the lessons that I learned through it. Like, I'm sure you can, Tiffany, we've had conversations to be a keynote speaker as your primary source of income in March 2020, when all keynote speeches were being canceled. It was a very, like, bring you to your knees moment we had uh we went straight into the bank account uh how much money do we have how much money do we we had post-its on the door and if you went to the Michael was the one that went to that we had he was our grocery store goer you had to take down the dollar amount that you spent from the post-its off the door from uh you know every every two weeks so it was it was intense um, and I don't think I've even fully processed the intensity but I realized actually this morning, it was my first day at Soul Cycle. I've been going to Soul Cycle, but it was the first day that Soul Cycle had a full capacity class. Like all of the bikes were full. It was back to normal. And I can say that like we didn't have to wear masks in the lobby, we didn't have to wear masks on our bike, we didn't have to, like, it was normal. And I was riding on my bike and looking at myself in the mirror, something I've done hundreds of times before. And I realized that I am a different person riding today than I was back in 2019. And I think I've learned some really important things about myself. I think like I've what learned- like what? Like what have you learned? What's different? Like um, what matters? Like I'm more I've learned how to I don't want to use the word mitigate, but it feels like the right one, mitigate my ambition or manage my ambition. I used to, and I, I have a, I love my ambition and I always have. And I think women should embrace their ambition because often the messaging is actually encouraging us to tamper it in, in many ways. Um, But I think I also then felt like I was waving some ambition flag and and like never let myself rest and, and never took it easy and sacrificed friendships. I sacrificed family. I sacrificed my health all under all while waving this flag of ambition. Now it's not a it's not a pretty process to renegotiate that relationship. And I don't have it all figured out yet. And there's a lot of like deep work, I think. That has, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's only been, if you think about it, it's been, we talk about how it's been like 18 months, but at the same time, it's only been 18 months. Like, how do you rewire
2: an entire human in just 18 months, I know, right? And I, I don't, like you said, it seems like it's going to be way easier to get used to things being back to normal than it was getting used to the crazy when it wasn't normal. Exactly. So you're, you're, to your point, um, the grace is going to be critical because we mm-hmm. are just like snapping back. Like, oh, we're back at normal. Well, actually, not really. Because we're is different. different. We're
1: different. Yeah. We as people are different. And mm-hmm. and also I I have this like underlying fear of like, I don't want to go back to that girl. Like she was nuts <laughs> in a good right. way. Like there's a lot of beauty there, but I've learned so much. It would be like, it would be like being you know, a 40-year-old mother of two and suddenly being back in high school and be like, whoa, whoa,
2: whoa, whoa, nice. you know? Right, no, you've grown. No. I, think we, I think we all have. It'll be really interesting to see culturally, like even in our kids, um, you know, and I even noticed, and hopefully this will go away, but I have a high school, my daughter graduated from high school this year. And I noticed in her, She would not get as excited about things. And I think it was almost a protection mechanism. Like she didn't want to be disappointed. And I thought, gosh, this isn't how she is normally. So I hope that goes away. I hope that's one of those things that, you know, they just got so used to managing their expectations, knowing that at the drop of a hat, something could change radically. And by the same token, they got used to being nimble and rolling with things, being different, which is also a tremendous gift um you know, long term, but just culturally, I think I hear a lot of people who are like you and just, you know, please don't let me go back there. Yeah. You know, we've learned so much.
1: And I think that this is where, like, as you might guess, the strategy that I'm adopting is my own strategy. Speaking of people who talk to themselves or talk about themselves. But I do think that now I know what I'm missing. Like I know what life looks like when it is completely stopped, when there aren't a million conference calls. And even though there was a, a whole different kind of, of stress with that, that again, I wouldn't wish on anyone, um, future generations. I know what I'm leaving behind now. I'm, I've been able to develop friendships that I was never able to develop before. I was able to, you know, like there's a lot. And so when I do feel myself, trending towards the way things used to be, like the franticness of 2019, I tell myself my favorite stories of 2020, the moments that would not have happened had the pandemic not happened. So, so I have this set of stories of these cherished moments and and back when they were actually happening happening, they were marred with ire because you were like, Oh gosh, I can't believe this is my life right now. But now, even even a couple like even a year later, I'm like, Oh, but that was so sweet that we used to go to the park and lay out a blanket, and that was the best thing we had. We would have date night on a blanket. We would bring an iPad and a headphone splitter. So my kids would watch a movie, we'd bring dinner for them on one side of the blanket, and my husband and I would have wine and strawberries and cheese and meat on the other side of the blanket. And that was date night. So I have these stories now of, of what it can be. And so when I feel myself going that way or I have to make decisions that that would lead me in that direction, I pull out the stories and I and then I can at least weigh my decision against this other life. Now sometimes I'm gonna say yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow my ambition. It's gonna be that moment. I've got I've got a book launch coming up. Like, make no mistake. I am chasing that thing. I am spreading this word because because I have big goals for this message to be out there. But to find that balance, I'm gonna use my stories.
2: I almost feel silly asking this question. But what is your superpower? Well, I
1: mean it would be easy to say storytelling, but I, I actually think I've thought about this. I think my superpower is optimism. But like on a very like like the bright side. And 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 this isn't a it isn't a choice Thing. It's like a thing that just is. And sometimes it's not good or it feels uncomfortable when everybody else is very not optimistic. You feel like a fool being the one who has hope. And, and that was another thing that I thought about a lot during 2020. And I just realized that's who I am. Like, I think this is my soul's first time here. You know, like I'm a brand new one. I'm a brand new soul. And so it's all bright and exciting. And, and I'm going to let that be okay. So I think that's my, I think that's my superpower is optimism.
2: I think you're either a brand new soul or you're one who's wiser than most. And you, you know, realize that you only control so much and optimism, I think is the fountain of youth. I would agree. Actually, Mm -hmm. never thought of it that way, but I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Life made. Kendra Hall, thank you so much as always for your honesty, authenticity, your brilliance in taking a concept like storytelling and showing us why it matters, Mm. as well as showing us how to be better at it.
1: Uh, Well, I, since the moment we met, you know, we just, I have deep respect, deep and profound respect for you. And the women you lead are so fortunate to have you as am
2: I. Thank you. Kendra, thank you so much. Thanks so much for your time. We can't wait to get you back in Iowa. See you soon. We'll see you later. Be well, my friend.
0: At the end of the day, my friend Kendra is a Minnesota gal, and she puts all that pragmatism into her storytelling to make all of us better at the work we do. Thank you, Kendra. Your final chance to nominate a woman in the Quad Cities for the Athena, Women of Influence, or Emerging Leader Award is coming up. Nominations are due August 1st. Go to wlcglobal.org. Are you ready to get back in person? We have five opportunities for you to experience our workshops this September in person. See Katie Goodman in Cedar Rapids, Des Moines, or Sioux Falls, and Kristen Brown in Cedar Falls or the Quad Cities. Tickets are now available at wlcglobal.org. Hybrid options are available for our fall conferences in the Quad Cities on October 13th and Central Iowa on October 27th and 28th. You can register today at wlcglobal.org. Nominations for the Women of Achievement Award are now open. The Women of Achievement Award recognizes the contributions of historical Iowa women who made outstanding and lasting contributions to the world. Honorees are commemorated with a plaque on the Iowa Women of Achievement Bridge in downtown Des Moines. Details at wlcglobal.org. Follow Women Lead Change on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it so much. More information and tickets can be found at wlcglobal.org.